you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's going on, everybody? DJ Bucky here, Move the Sticks. And uh, Bucky, let's do some NFC today on the uh, show. What do you think? Oh, I mean, let's do it. I like that. All right, here's what we've got coming up on today's episode. We Last week, we previewed the AFC uh, heading into the season, what we thought, who we liked inside the the uh, divisions. And today we're going to jump into the NFC. We do have a, a really cool guest I'm looking forward to introducing to our, our audience here, and that's uh, Coach John Lilly, who's coached for a long time uh, at the collegiate ranks, Florida State, Georgia, and then spent some time with the Rams. Um, he's going to join us on a monthly basis with the, with a project he's going to kind of present to us and something we can kick around. So he's going to jump in once we get to the NFC South, he's been uh, looking closely at these offenses and at these quarterbacks, and I think it's just a fascinating division when you look at Drew Brees, Cam Newton, uh, Jameis Winston, and the reigning MVP, Matt Ryan. There's a lot a lot to, to swallow there, so he's going to come in and focus strictly on the NFC South. But in the meantime, I thought you and I kind of kick around these other, other divisions. Well, I like it. I'm excited to have him on because it's always interesting to get a coach's perspective on how they see the talent in the division, how they see the way coaches deploy their personnel, and what they think. So it'll be nice because he's just removed from the game. You should have a nice perspective. All right, let's, uh, let's jump in, first of all, here. NFC North, Buck, how do you see this division uh, shaking out here? Well, obviously, it's the division that is always governed by quarterbacks. And so when you go to the NFC North, by quarterbacks, you would go Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, Sam Bradford, and then whoever starts at Chicago, we're going to say Mike Glennon. So in looking at that, I think it shakes out like that. I think you can see Green Bay at the top. I think Detroit is right behind them. Minnesota can make a move. It really depends on how that offense gets going. And then I think we have Chicago pulling up the rear. I'll tell you what, Chicago, it's interesting. I want to jump on them real quick here. I just spent some time studying all the rookie quarterbacks, watched all their passing downs from all these top rookies. I think maybe nine quarterbacks I went through. Trubisky, Buck, clearly, clearly the head of the class based on what he did in the preseason. And some things that, that stood out to me, we talked about it in the draft process, uh, quick feet, quick release, and the quick mind. The quick minds what jumped out to me because of all these rookie quarterbacks, he was the one far advanced in terms of getting you through your progression. You see him get to number two to number three pretty quickly, knows where his checkdowns are, uh, showed a pretty good understanding as a rookie of uh, Dow Loggins' offense there with the Bears. So I think there's some encouragement there. Um, the early season schedule, when you look at it for the Bears, uh, let me just run this through you here real quick, Bucky. We go Falcons at home, at mm. the Bucks, Steelers at home, at Packers. Those are the first four games, <laughs> and the Packers game is on a Thursday night. Oh, okay, so, so week five. So week five, again, though, look at the schedule. That's So, okay, you say you might not win again. You could conceivably go 0-4. So then you trot Trubisky out week five, which you have 10 days to get ready, like 10 days. I don't know that I like the Vikings as the mm. defensive opponent for your first game. And then after that, at Ravens, then Panthers. I mean, it's just it, the, the Bears' schedule is who, who br- did they, who brutal. Did they, who did their schedule for them? Yeah, these are, oh, man, these, these are like these money games, games. Like except it's brutal. But uh, anyways, I thought, I thought Trubisky looked 
Uh, looked really good based off the preseason stuff. I think I think, I think the funny chance. thing in, in looking at him, like all the points that you talk about, the traits, he certainly exhibited those traits at North Carolina. He was very accurate. He was very decisive. did a great job of throwing with, I thought, timing and anticipation. He was a guy who was probably more athletic than some people gave him credit for. We've seen that with the Chicago Bears. When I watched them play in the first three preseason games, we've seen him in shotgun, we've seen him under center, and when he – passes from under center a lot of it is bootleg stuff that allows him to really use his athleticism he's very impressive throwing to his right and to his left on the move but then you talk about the ball coming out of all the quarterbacks he is really delivering the ball on time timing and anticipation he has a really really good feel for it now the only thing with him he spent most of his time in the preseason going against the twos and threes we will see if they ramp up his time against the four, like in the fourth preseason game. Still won't be the ones, but let's see him play for maybe three quarters. For of, a minute. Yeah, get, yeah, get comfortable or whatever. But I do believe if you're a Chicago Bears fan, you have to be encouraged by what you've seen because it's not out of the realm of possibility that he is the starter over Mike Lennon when we get to week five and maybe even sooner. Yeah, we'll see how that all shakes out. Packers, to me, the most interesting player maybe in this entire division is Ty Montgomery. Yes. How they're going to use him. And, and look, you look at Jamal Williams, who we both loved coming out of the draft from, from BYU. I think he's going to uh, craft a role for himself with running the football for this team and, and kind of be that physical pounder. But Ty Montgomery, I, I just have a feeling, Bucky, there's going to be weeks where we're going to see Ty Montgomery carry the ball 17 times, and there's going to be weeks where we see him carry it five times. But they're going to split him out and find matchups. I mean, he is going to be a matchup nightmare for teams. You know, I had a chance to go up to Green Bay during uh, training camp, and I talked to Mike McCarthy specifically about Ty Montgomery and is he one of these new school hybrid running backs. That he was like, that's the beauty of what he can do. He can line up anywhere in the formation and play wide receiver, but he also can be a dot back and run the ball in between the tackles. And they're trying to, and I know the popular catchphrase is, everyone's trying to, copy what the Patriots are doing but they're really trying to be a chameleon on offense they're trying to be able to change uh, from game to game from series to series to be able to give a bunch of different looks and the thing that we haven't seen in the preseason but will happen in the regular season they're going to operate at a faster tempo look for Aaron Rodgers to do a lot of no huddle stuff they will mix in their tight ends Martellus Bennett Lance Kendricks they're really excited about but Ty Montgomery is the guy that is going to be the matchup problem and McCarthy said, after Aaron Rodgers, you have to focus on 88 because where 88 lines up will determine how your defense has to match up. All right, let's stay at the running back position and talk about the Vikings for a second here because I think we're in agreement on on Dalvin Cook and the skill set he possesses. He's got a chance to be an outstanding running back. I'm not sold when I look at this team, though. I know they made some changes along the offensive line, Bucky, and sometimes I tweeted this out the other day. Change doesn't always necessarily mean you've you've upgraded. They've they've changed the, the, the seats, changed the names, changed the faces. I still don't think this is a very good offensive line, man. I just don't know how much he's gonna be able to get running behind that group. You know, it's funny because I had a little Twitter debate because I said, I guess in one of our podcasts or videos, I said Dalvin Cook is the best running back in the division. And I kind of stand by that because I think he is the most talented, he's the most dynamic, he's the most explosive, and potentially he could be um, an elite player at the position. You're right, though. They have to have the offensive line in place to be able to do it. However, the flashes that we've seen at times in the preseason, he's going to be a guy that I think can get 2,000 scrimmage yards. may not happen his rookie year, but it certainly will happen. He is a guy that can catch the ball out the backfield. He's pretty dynamic in what he does in the passing game. And then he's a pretty explosive runner. If they can just lean on bodies a little bit, just kind of get in the way, I think he's a guy that can get 1,200, 1,300 yards as a rusher. So then we get to the Detroit Lions. Uh, Matthew Stafford coming off a huge contract. By the way, fan fan of the deal? 
Um, I mean, I'm a big fan. I, I'm kind of surprised that he didn't hold out for more because he had all the leverage in the last year of his deal. He's a guy that is just over 30. He's his ninth year as a pro. He's number one overall pick. Uh, if they had to franchise him, they would have had to franchise him at a level of 30 million per. So, with that in mind, I'm surprised he didn't. He could have got feel, more if he wanted. Oh, yeah, he could have absolutely got all the coins on the table. But I think it's something that they had to have. And when we talk about breaking up quarterbacks into trucks and trailers, he is absolutely a truck because he carries that team. Because without him, they don't have the ability to compete in the NFC North. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm anxious to see Jared Davis and what he does for this football team on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, a rookie we were uh, both really high on coming out of the draft, coming out of Florida, who's just really instinctive. He could rack up some some big tackle numbers. So when I look at this division, Buck, I, I still think the Packers are, are right at the head of the class. I, I think the Bears are better. <clears throat> but I just look at the schedule, and that just that scares me with the schedule that they have there. The Lions and, and the uh, Vikings, I think, is going to be very competitive there. I, I'll end up going Packers. I'm going to go Vikings because I love that defense. Then I'm going to go Lions and then Bears. That being said, I do think the Bears are an improved football team, but the schedule's just brutal. It is. Um, we only see it differently. I just have them flipped because I have Detroit over Minnesota, and part of the reason I'm going Detroit over Minnesota really has to do with the quarterback. When the quarterback was healthy last year, he was playing at an MVP level. We have seen him bring people back, bring his team back. I want to say he had eight fourth-quarter comebacks a season ago. So if he is healthy and he continues to buy into Cooter's offense, I just think it's, it's something that um, is going to be dynamic and explosive. I think the defense will get right, but a lot of it depends on Ziggy Ansah. They have to have him healthy because he is their main and primary pass rusher. He needs to be a guy that gets them 12 to 14 sacks. No doubt. It will be interesting to see how – this defense for Detroit comes around. I do think they're going to score some points, and that you know that's where we are just a little bit of disagreement there. I just think the defense in Minnesota can be so dynamic. I think Sam Bradford even more comfortable this year. Very accurate last year. They need to get a little bit more vertical in the passing game this year. Again, the wide receiver comes down. Well, it comes down to the offensive line. You can't yeah. push the ball vertically down the field too if you don't have uh, if you don't have the protection. Offensive line, and then their receivers' ability to separate. Adam Thielen is a starter. Laquan Treadwell is there. They have Mal- Mal- Michael Floyd who is playing on the outside. Their ability to create separation, that has to be the key for them in the passing game. Is there a chance we have uh, two playoff teams in this division? I think so. I think the Green Bay Packers and the Detroit Lions can go. Okay, yeah. They did last year. Packers and Vikings. That's the way I have it going this year. I think there will be two come out of this. I think two of those three teams will end up in the postseason. Should be a competitive division, though, too. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw – uh, you know, this could be a, a 10, 11 wins. Could get you, could get it done in this division. Could beat up on each other a little bit. The Bears are gonna they're gonna win some games inside this division. Um, they're gonna be better. Again, it's gonna come down to how this rookie quarterback comes along if he gets onto the football field. They can run the ball. Big injury to Meredith. I hate seeing that at the receiver position. Well, you know that's the tough but thing with the Tariq Bears. Cohen. Yeah, well, Tariq mean, Cohen's gonna get to, loose. They have to get Tariq Cohen. And look, Benny Cunningham has also played well for them in the preseason. Under Jordan Howard, has been banged up a little bit. But at the end of the day, when we talk about those running backs, it's great that they have running backs. But on the outside, they don't have the weapons to scare. Them. We're still waiting for Kevin White to get healthy and to play to the level. He doesn't look. The, he doesn't look right, to. Buck. I, so, I'm, I'm I'm close to waving the white flag on. Oh, uh, you ready to? Yeah, uh, look, everybody. People love to point out your, uh, you know, your misses. To me, look, the injuries are one thing. I don't know who who knows if he would have been anything, but everybody. How could you have him over Amari Cooper? I was like, I had Amari Cooper as the number three player in the draft. I'm like, I hated Amari Cooper. I loved Amari Cooper. But Kevin White just big and physical. Did not happen. He's been injured, and frankly, but just watch him right now. He can't get away from anybody. No, I mean it's. it's 
it's tough though. The injuries, the lower body injuries, you just wonder how much have, have taken away the explosiveness that he displayed at West Virginia and the confidence. Like when whenever you get reports where you hear coaches saying we have to tell him how good, good he, he is, is, that 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 it's not a good thing. It means me. He's really he's really in his head. He's really in his feelings. So we will see if he can turn around. But the Bears need him to be that number one. Part of the moves that they made, getting rid of Brandon Marshall and Arshon Jeffrey in back to back years. They thought that he would be a guy that could come in and step up and be that number one. He hasn't played to that No, level. they need some wide receivers. You're going to see a lot of tight ends. You're going to see the backs get involved. And I'm telling you, fantasy football advice, if you haven't had your draft, go get you Tariq Cohen in the late rounds. Trust me, you'll, uh, you'll appreciate it. Sully, how are we doing back there, pal? You, uh, you look a little stressed out. A little stressed out? No, I'm not stressed out. I'm just trying to get 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 a hold of coach. You're trying yeah. to work on getting coach for yeah, us. Working working on getting coach. Talk a little uh, NFC South quarterback. Yeah, we'll get coach on here in yeah. just a second. I th- in fact, I think he's he's coming right now. Well, we weren't lying. We've got uh, we've got our friend here. John Lilly's going to join the podcast now. He's going to join us once a month here. Uh, as we go through the football season, I've told you guys, given you uh, some heads up on, on Coach Lilly's background here. He's coaching the college game for a long time, Florida State, Georgia, among other stops. Spent some time in the National Football League with the Rams uh, and just somebody who's really, really well respected. And, and, Coach, we are excited to have you with us here on Move the Sticks. And we want to get into these NFC South teams and quarterbacks. But before we do that, I've got two things I need from you. First okay. of all, I, I, need, I need to get uh, – your connection here, because when we talked on the phone, there's a connection you have to my partner, Bucky Brooks, uh, that I'm interested in learning a little bit more about. <laughs> okay, sure thing. Uh, I went to a school called Guilford College, the Fighting Quakers, which I think is like an oxymoron or whatever the right <laughs> word is right there. But anyway, that's where I went to, to undergrad. And uh, when I was there, I was with a handful of guys that he went to high school with. I think some maybe older than him, some younger all kind of spread out there. Um, so that's kind of my connection to him. Still keep in touch with some of those guys, more through text probably than anything else now. But but that would be my connection. And I remember him back on highlight films anyway, <laughs> back when he was a high school football player. At, this is Bucky. Uh, By the way, this is, this is Bucky. <laughs> this is Bucky Brooks highlight tape, which you got to see because your teammates at Guilford College play with Bucky. So oh. now you got the goods, Coach. Tell me what you saw in this high school highlight tape with my guy Bucky Brooks. Well, you know, first of all, he was living off of all those other guys because they were so good. They were drawing all the coverage. Yeah, so he was getting I was getting one-on-one on the backside. So, <laughs> so he got a lot of chance, you know, to make plays. But I, I remember one thing. It's been obviously a few years ago now, but I remember one image distinctly that one of his teammates, Chip Hester, uh, showed me on that highlight film. He was a receiver also. And if anybody remembers Morris Day and the time, and they were popular with – uh, Prince and the Purple Rain movie and all that, but how they had oh in their gosh. act where kind of his right hand man held a mirror up and Morris acted yeah, like he was fixing absolutely. the hair or whatever. Yeah. So when Bucky so, scored a touchdown one time, he had Chip run over there and hold absolutely. up the invisible mirror. <laughs> right. <You guys laughs> oh, come on. Had to, had to fix. It was it was homecoming. You know? It was homecoming. Uh, so to take you deeper, it was it was homecoming <laughs> night. There's a homecoming dance afterwards. We were playing. I think we were playing. We might have been playing Cary Cary High School. Okay. So I told Ch- I talked Chip into because Chip like this isn't Chip's deal. Chip <laughs> is like a give the ball to the ref. Everyone come together. I'm not that guy. I'm, in high school, no, I wasn't no. that guy. Like <laughs> I'm running away. I'm 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 posing up under the goalpost. All this other uh. stuff. So I told him. I said, Look, if I score, just run over and just kind of stand stand still and hold up the mirror. And I'm gonna take care of the rest of it. <laughs> 
So I score on like a little little pad. I can't wait. Like the I don't know where I throw the ball. Chip comes running. He poses. He stops. I do my little thing. Now my high school coach, who also went to Guilford, Earl yeah. Smith, who's in the Hall of Fame, he went to Guilford. He's living. But I mean, that's, did you get fifteen? Oh no! You, like back then, no. It was the Miami area. It was yeah. the Miami area. It was, it was the Michael Irvin area. I could do anything. I may have talked Chip into shooting the guns and the pistols, and uh, we we did all kinds of stuff every week. All right, Coach. Hey, that is that is Hall of Fame contribution from you to the uh, to the podcast <laughs> right off the shoot. Before we get one more thing, I need one more thing from you before we get to these NFC South sure. quarterbacks. Sure. Um, you spent a lot of time. If I'm if I'm correct, you you were the recruiting coordinator at Florida State for a long period of time, weren't you? I was for about. 10 years, which is like dog years. Oh, no, no like, question. Like so, so on the scouting side, when we have general manager buddies on and personnel guys, we always ask for their favorite scouting story. We've got stories about guys being on the road and locking their keys in the car and uh, all kinds of great things. But I thought as a recruiting coordinator, surely you've got, you've got to have a, a vault full of, uh, of great recruiting stories. Can you just give us one? Wow. Uh, probably, probably some that are not fit to tell, or there's too many to tell in the time we've got. Um, one, I'll tell you one from Florida State that I'll never forget, and, and partially because it involved me being an idiot like most of these kind of stories do, I guess, that we tell, but also because it involved uh, Coach Bowden, Bobby Bowden, who, you know, for my, my money is the best head football coach in the history of college football with what he did there in that program and even in West Virginia before that. But we were out here, and I'll tell you this because I'm in California now, and, and so, you know, it, it kind of fits. But we were out recruiting in California, and we, we recruited nationally and were very blessed to sign a lot of great players from kind of all over. But um, we were recruiting in Northern California. And, you know, it's one of those deals. You all have probably done the same thing. You know, you're, especially if you're responsible for the head coach, you're going to map out your route beforehand. You're going to make sure that you're not going to miss a turn. You're, you know, you're going to have no issues with getting him where he needs to be on time, you know, do the whole thing. Everything's going to be smooth. Well, we're on one of the freeways there, and it's a it's one of those rush hour home visits. So, I mean, there's there's a lot more cars running around now than I than there were when I made the dry run to see where we were going. <laughs> this is a house I hadn't been to before. You can probably see where this is going. Oh, but yeah. We get close to the exit. And remember, this is before GPS. This is before, you know, you just plug it in your phone and mindlessly, you know, drive and do what, do what it tells you to do. So you're sitting there with, I don't even know what hand I had on the steering wheel because I had a map in one hand and MapQuest directions in another. And uh, probably a cell phone somewhere talking to the kid or something. Anyway, we can't get over fast enough to get off on the exit. So, of course, you got to make a battlefield decision and an adjustment right there. And so I just <laughs> slid right off to the side of the of the road because I'm like, hey, if I don't turn off here, where am I going to turn off? Yeah. And I can't get, you know, the, the cars are whizzing around. I can't get back through. I don't, I don't know how to get back here. We're going to be late if I don't, don't get off at this exit. So I just put it in reverse right there on the side of the freeway. And, I mean, there's cars driving about 90 going by us <laughs> there, you know, on our left side. And then you got the the rail there, you know, on the right side, and Coach Bowden sitting there, and he's he's spitting out these statistics about the the percentage of accidents on the freeway that happen because people miss an exit and they try to compensate or whatever. And I'm just backing up and getting it. And finally, you know, you get there where you think you have a shot to get on the off ramp, and the cars are flying off the freeway on the off ramp, and I finally just see a little bit of a crease, you know, like a back when he gets that little few inches of daylight 
and I gun it and I hit it and we, we're going on the ramp now and we're back. We're good to go. We're going to be on time. Everybody's safe, no harm, no foul. And it's dead quiet for about two or three minutes. And then finally, Coach Bowden just breaks the silence and says, I guess you don't care too much about those statistics, do you, buddy? <laughs> so, you know, I'm like, I'm like, hey, I appreciate you knowing how many, what percentage of freeway accidents are caused by people missing, you know, exits. But, hey, we got somewhere to be. We got a great player to go recruit. And I got the head coach in the car with me. You know, the more you think about it later, you start thinking, boy, I'm glad we didn't get in an accident because it would have been going across the bottom line of the TV, you know, head yeah. coach Bobby Bowden in car accident. You just jeopardized. <laughs> all, all, you did, all you did was jeopardize the life of arguably the greatest college football coach of all Ever. time. That's all you did. Coach. Absolutely. That's, that, that's, that's it. That's it. You know, I mean – if that's the worst thing I ever do, you know how bad is life. Well, there you go. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad for both of you that ended up uh, ended up okay on that recruiting trip out here in California. We can both attest. Okay. I drive better in California now than I did then. That was a long time ago. Uh, you're experienced. Uh, hey, let's jump into these NFC South quarterbacks here. We think it's the most intriguing division when you just talk about the quarterbacks and the offenses in general in terms of the different styles you're going to see here schematically. Uh, let's jump into this real quick, Coach. Let me just uh, hit you up first. Let's go to the uh, to the elder statesman in this division, and that's Drew Brees and the Saints offense. I know you've spent some time digging in and studying these guys in this division. Just start with Drew Brees, and, and what have you seen from him, and, and what do you expect for the coming season? Sure. Well, first of all, I totally agree with you. I mean, it's such an intriguing division, and as an offensive coach or pretty much career offensive coach, you love to study people that are great on offense, and, and that's the way this division is built. Uh, you know, quite frankly, and we played them all last year with the Rams. And, and you know, you, you kind of, I hate to say it, you're kind of in awe a little bit of what you're going into as an opposing offensive coach because you know they put pressure on your defense, but they put pressure on you offensively too because you've got to match them, you know, score for score and strike for strike. And so I say all that because when we played New Orleans last year, um, I think it was like it was 27-21 at the half or something. It was a, it was a good old, you know, Western Athletic Conference shootout or something, you know, that happened in the NFL. And, and that's kind of the way the NFC South can be sometimes. But then all of a sudden we turn it over one time and they go down and score and we can't ever catch back up, you know. So they put a lot of pressure on you. And I think in that game he was, I don't know, 28 or 36, somebody had 300 and some yards, four TDs, no, no picks, you know. And, I mean, you're talking about a guy that's going to be the all-time yardage leader in the NFL, barring something unforeseen. You know, he's maybe 5,000 yards. He might get it this year if he's yeah. that close. He's about 5,000 yards away, maybe a little more than that. But they do such a great job with the run actions. They push the ball down the field so well. And, and they've got a great screen game of the running backs, you know, as you really start to break them down and see what makes them go. Um, you know, and then I think this year they've added – some pretty good little pieces. Obviously, they, they lose a great wide out, you know, to New England and, and Cooks. But, you know, I just love some of the things that I think they've done here. And, and I'm eager to see how they kind of put some of these guys. Obviously, Adrian Peterson is the is the headliner, but then the Ted Ginn. And then I love Alvin Kamara. I know you guys scout all these guys yeah. and you see him. But, I mean, to get a guy like that, I think they got him in the third round. And we recruited him when I was at Georgia, unsuccessfully, unfortunately, because he scored a lot of touchdowns against us once he ended up at at Tennessee, but, uh, I mean, I'm eager to see how they use him as a guy that's averaged, I think, over 10 yards a touch in the preseason uh, at this point. No, he's been very, very impressive. What's your best guess on those touches that, that walk out the door with Brandon Cooks in terms of the vertical game? I mean, I know Ginn is a vertical guy, but he's not going to get all that all that work. Who, where else do some of those balls go, do you think? 
Well, you you got to think Willie Sneed, you know, is, is going to you know see a little bit more action now. I know you know I'm a tight end guy, so I you, you kind of pull for the tight ends. And you, I mean, that was an offense where uh, again talking about a Georgia guy, but Ben Watson caught a, a million balls a couple of years ago, you know, and and obviously they got Flanner in there, who's who's kind of known as a pass catcher, but Michael Thomas. Uh, just as you start to study guys and what they do, and they're certainly done in preseason this year watching them, doesn't look like any kind of drop-off for him in the second year. And, uh, I mean, it's hard to say he's going to get more because the guy had an unbelievable year uh, last year. But uh, they've got to go somewhere, and, and I agree with you. I mean, I think it was last week in their their third preseason game you, told, you saw Ted again, and they got him the ball some different ways. So maybe – Maybe they run it a little bit more. They, you know, they balance it out a little bit more. I mean, that's that's what you miss in this in this division because you sit there and look at them and they can all throw it. But they were one of only three divisions in the league that that every team averaged over 100 yards rushing last year too. You know, so they all can run it. And part of that probably is which came first, the chicken or the egg. People have to defend the pass, so it helps you with the run. But uh, they've got talented guys there, and, and you know, it's a good problem to have as an offensive. Uh, coach you know coach Payton to figure out how to get all these touches spread out you know coach one of the teams that we've heard about kind of undergoing an evolution has been the Carolina Panthers and so when you talk about the running game uh, they're a team that has primarily been a run first team whether it's Jonathan Stewart or Cam Newton now with Cam Newton getting older they want to change the offense what have you seen what do you expect to see with some of the new pieces that they brought over well I think like like everybody you can see what they wanted to do you know I think they they went after some defense and free agency, and then in the draft, they went, you know, at the beginning of it anyway, they went with, uh, you know, Christian McCaffrey and then Curtis Samuel. And I think the thing, you know, with, with Cam Newton, because he's obviously a quarterback that has the ability to beat you so many different ways, but when you really study that, they may have I, – I, you hesitate to make absolute statements, but I think they've got the best running game as far as toughest to prepare for because of so much stuff they put on you, uh, you know, in the national football league, I mean, it's their variety in the run game is unbelievable. Cause you know, everybody's running stretch and all those things. They, they probably have more pullers. They've got more things they do, you know, with their line, with their tight ends or extra tight ends and those kind of things. They've got all the motion stuff, the speed running game, you know, with the, with the wide outs and then the stuff with cam, you know, reading it and all those things. And, I know they want him to take fewer hits, but I mean, you're talking about a six-five, two hundred fifty-pound man or whatever back there. That I mean, that guy can move chains for you, you know, that way. So I don't know, you know, if they build it. Um, certainly, they. they it, I'm eager, probably like everybody is, to see what they really do with Christian McCaffrey. And, and you know, they they they're probably still figuring it out because of the rules that he didn't get in there. But for I think one. OTA practice and then obviously had rookie minicamp but I mean like training camp was kind of their their first time to really start playing around with him yeah he's uh he's gonna be fun to watch there and it's kind of ended up being ironic that his college running back coach is is there coaching with the Panthers so a lot of familiarity there with McCaffrey and in terms of picking things up even though that stupid rule needs to be changed it's the way that works for those who don't know so there's a quarter system some colleges operate on a quarter system instead of the semester system and the, you can't be in a, in a mini camp or training camp until after graduation, and the quarter system moves that clock around. So some of those guys, I know Oregon is on that. Stanford, I believe, is on that. Um, UCLA. Yeah, UCLA. A lot of teams in the, in the Pac-12 uh, have, that, have that issue. It's, it's not fair. It's really a competitive disadvantage, especially when you're talking about free agents, college free agents that come in. 
don't have the same reps and the same opportunity as the guys who are on a different system. So hopefully that gets Absolutely. changed. Hopefully that gets changed, Coach. All right, let's go to the Bucks here. Jameis Winston, um, a lot of people expecting with the weapons that they've brought in, when you bring in an O.J. Howard, you're bringing in Deshaun Jackson, expecting Jameis kind of take that next step. What have you seen in this offense and in this quarterback? Well, as, as a player, you know, he's the only guy and only quarterback in the division who hasn't led his team to a Super Bowl yet. You know, but I mean, then he's, he's the only rookie in, or the only um, quarterback in the history of the NFL in his first two seasons to throw for over 4,000 yards. And I don't, you know, I think the Hard Knocks people, we had them last year at the Rams. They're great people. They do a phenomenal job. And they, they really kind of open the doors a little bit to places. And I've seen some of that that they've done with the Bucks, And you see the work ethic that comes through, you know, those kind of things. I mean, you got you got to love the guy for that, you know, and the leader that he is for them. But what I see with them, I mean, they had a good offense, a productive offense. They went out and attacked it and made it better. I mean, I'm, I don't want to go over the top on anybody. I'm not in this thing to make yeah. predictions, but I'm kind of all in on these guys, you know, because they haven't been great, you know, with the deep ball, whether it's throwing it, whether it's being able to get open, you know, make the plays, connect it, whatever it is. But now you got Deshaun Jackson, you know, there that you feel like you're probably going to get some, you know, some big plays out of. Um, you know, to go along with Mike Evans. Um, I love Chris Godwin. Again, I'm all in on some of these third-round draft picks. You, you know? love the third round, Coach. You're like a true scout. <laughs> That's that recruiting coordinator. I That's mean, that recruiting coordinator. This is the, the three-star player that you love when you recruited him and you had to uh, fight City Hall to get him to, to bring him to campus. You knew you got a gym. No doubt. I mean, those guys end up being, you know, you kind of you expect certain things out of the first round, even the second round. Sometimes, you know, they might could have been first round and the third rounders. I mean, you're earning the money, you know, that you're getting paid as a scout, as a position coach, all those things, you know, when you when you find those guys and they're the right guys. But I, I love him, you know, from Penn State. And obviously O.J. Howard, again, being a tight end guy. And I think Cameron Bray is a phenomenal player, you know, for him. Just what, really analyzing him, watching the way he uses his body. He extends to make catches. And it's a big red zone rep, uh, weapon for him. You know, I, I started looking at it because you start breaking down. Guy scores eight touchdowns you know, from the tight end position, and I think none of them was longer than 12 yards. So, I mean, he was a guy they definitely targeted down there, probably when a guy like Mike Evans was drawing a lot of the coverage. But, you know, you look at them in the in the preseason, and Jameis Winston, he's been about a 68 or 69% completion guy in the preseason, which, don't get me wrong, I get the preseason. You know, it's like, it reminds me of that scene in Glory when they're out target practicing and all of a sudden Matthew Broderick rolls up and starts showing him what it's really going to be like in the battle and, and you know the game changes <laughs> and that's kind of you know it's kind of how it is the preseason's a little bit the target practice and then you know here in another week and a half I mean it's really it's getting real but uh, I mean he's been a career about 59 percent guy and now he's 68 percent he does a phenomenal job extending plays keeps his eyes downfield he doesn't move around to run with the ball necessarily he moves around to get somebody open he does a great job keeping his eyes downfield and they've they've done phenomenal i think with their personnel groupings and i think they look at you know those top four wide outs the tight ends doug martin looks good when he gets back you know what i've seen of him in the preseason you know really an explosive dynamic player and unfortunately we saw him when i was at georgia when he was at boise yeah and, i remember uh, that i mean those guys, I just think they've got weapons where they can personnel you, they can formation you, and they are, they are going to have great belief and faith in every guy out there, you know, at the skill positions. Um, so I'm eager to see kind of, you know, what they're what they're able to do with that. Um, 
hadn't been great in the red area in preseason. Again, you don't don't want to go over the, overboard on anything in the in the preseason. But you know, obviously their kicking stuff's been documented, so they they want to score touchdowns, <laughs> and you have to in this division. Yes, yeah, speaking of scoring touchdowns, one of the more prolific offenses last year that we saw in NFL history with the Atlanta Falcons. You have a new offensive coordinator, Steve Sarkeesian, takes over for Kyle Shanahan. Have you seen any changes in the way they go about doing business offensively? You know, at least in preseason, and they, they probably wouldn't show us if they were at this point, but at least in preseason, it doesn't look a lot different. You know, and, and you know, Matt Ryan, the first couple games only played I think one series each game and they marched right down the field even against Pittsburgh it was like a 92-yard drive you know and it, it looked like you know the team takeoff at the beginning of practice there <laughs> or something there or no disrespect to Pittsburgh but I mean that's how how you know kind of well oiled they looked struggled a little bit this past weekend you know against uh, Arizona maybe you know moving it a little bit early and, and some pressure and some things like that but I don't see a lot of difference. They're so good with the wide receiver screen game. They're good on nakeds. I mean, I I think Matt Ryan is just one of the toughest players I've ever seen. You know, I don't know how much time we got for a story. When I was at Florida State and we played him at Boston College, mm-hmm. and there was a nor'easter going through that area. I mean, they were talking about moving the game a couple of days or whatever. We ended up playing it, and it was a Saturday night game. They were ranked, I think, second in the country at the time. And we're in the locker room, and all the Florida guys, you know, and everything. I mean, everybody's grabbing every bit of clothing they can get. It's cold. It's <laughs> November in Boston, you know. And you go out there on the field early, and Matt Ryan's out there in a t-shirt and shorts, just slinging it in the rain. <laughs> and I'm, I'm looking around like, dang, this guy's this is a different cat right here. He's wired. And, He's um, wired a little different. He is. There's no doubt. So I got tremendous respect for him and uh, for what they do and, and how they do. I mean, it's a guy. People talk about the Super Bowl. I mean, the guy completed seventy some percent, never threw an interception in the playoffs. You know, I mean, and that's against the best the league has to offer him. I just think he's a phenomenal player, and um, you know, does a great job spreading the ball around the crowd. They had four four tight ends that scored touchdowns last year. A lot of people, you know, it's all they can do to get one tight end, some you know, some scores there and all that. So he he does a great job spreading the ball around. And again, I love their mix of players. Just like Tampa, another. I think he's the third rounder too. You got me today on these third rounders. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Kevin Coleman, the the backup yeah. running back. I mean, when he was in Indiana, I saw him against Missouri on tape, and I was like, man, who's this guy? And then, of course, he shows up, you know, with Atlanta. And I mean, what a great player he is to be a piece in what they do, you know, catch and run and doing all those things. Yeah. Long story short, I don't think even with the new coordinator, as much as everybody respects Coach Shanahan, I don't think you're going to see a lot of drop off there. Just too many. Too many weapons, and the quarterback's too darn good. So I think Steve Sarkeesian found himself a nice gig. Hey, Coach, this is your first run at it here. Good job, Coach. I, you, you crushed it. You absolutely crushed it, and we're looking forward to having you on. It's gonna, again, it's going to be a once-a-month feature. We're going to have you on. We'll get, get you a different project uh, at one a month and come in like we just did and just get a chance to talk ball. Uh, we, we love having you on. We look forward to the next time. Oh, this was, this was great. I, you know, I'm looking forward to the season starting. I know you guys are, and uh, – you know, kind of a hidden thing. These guys play the AFC East this year. So think of the quarterback battles you got with – because New England has pretty good quarterback up there. <laughs> last he might be okay. And then they play the NFC North this year. So you got Green Bay and you got Matt I – don't, I don't know if he's changed his name to Matthew Money Stafford. Now. <laughs> you got our, our guy Matthew Stafford from – I mean, there's going to be some, some unbelievable football. And I'm just looking forward to seeing strategically, you know – 
how these battles develop, how the defenses, you know, how they cope with some of this because these guys are great players, obviously. All right, Coach, I, I'm going to give the people something to tease for the next time. So you gave us a, a recruiting story today, Bobby Bowden. You had a great story about Bucky's highlight tape. Uh, I would, I'm, I'm thinking back in time, you were there to, with Georgia. I'm assuming when they recruited Stafford, do you have a good – can you get a good Stafford story for us next time we come on? You know what? I was still at Florida State when we recruited Matthew, and I, I got to Georgia his junior year. But um, that's all right. We can we can we can can find one. Different things. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you got some from there. All right, we got you. We got you. Next time, we'll get a good story out of you, Coach. Again, thank you so much, and we'll uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you, guys. It's awesome. Well, Buck, that was a lot of fun. Coach Lilly is going to be fun to have on the show, and I think it gives us just a, a, a different perspective. We have the personnel background. It's great to get a coach in here who's been studying the tape and gives us a nice little preview there of what to expect here uh, in the NFC South, one of the best divisions of football. Absolutely. I think he, he really took us behind the curtain, um, not only knowing these guys from competing against him last year when he was with the Rams, but also being able to dig deep back to when he saw him in high school and even college. I think it's a different perspective. In terms of the NFC South, the, w- the way that I see it, this division is really – um, one that is going to be super competitive. Wide open. Up for grabs. But I'm going to go back. Uh, I think Atlanta comes in first. Uh, I'm looking at Tampa. You're going to do Carolina. Uh, I'm going to go Carolina Ooh. over Tampa. And I don't know why I don't have uh, an inkling. I love Tampa. And I, I like the things that I've seen, particularly behind the scenes and hard knocks. I just need a little more. I think Carolina bounces back. And then I think last will be the New Orleans Saints. I'll tell you what. The New Orleans Saints have blitzed getting off the bus. They are doing it, season. though. Oh, my now, gosh. They, they are coming. It. They're coming after they got a bunch of young, hungry defenders that are getting after it. I just worry about them maybe showing too much too soon. Well, they're going to give up some everyone. big plays. They're going to get – but, again, I think Coach Lilly was even talking about their game last year against the Rams, which is kind of going back and forth. And then once the Saints get a turnover, get Breeze an extra possession, it's over. And they well, can I mean, run away and hide. Like, so, that's what they're going to try and do, well, kind of pressure and create turnovers. They're going to have an arena ball mentality. Yep. It's going to be an arena ball mentality. They get gonna, one or two. Just one or two, score 40 points, give up 38. They win. That's that's how they're going to play. I did watch Marshawn Lattimore. He, he, he really had a really nice game. Uh, against the Houston Texans, showed up, had a couple breakups, coverage was tight, kind of living up to the billing. And if he can hold on, hold up on the outside, they certainly can come after people. All right. The uh, the cool thing about what we've been talking about here, we're talking about watching these rookie quarterbacks as I've been doing. You talk about looking at Lattimore. Coach talked about breaking down these teams. The, the folks at home can do the same thing, Bucky. You guys listening, if you want to watch the coach's tape, which is at all 22, you can do it. It's every throw. It's every catch, every two-minute drill, every fourth and inches. It's NFL football, and you got to get NFL Game Pass to get it. Come on, you got to catch up. Get NFL Game Pass. You get every out-of-market preseason game, which is a TV copy. The condensed games, which takes out all the fluff. You can watch a game in about 30 minutes. Uh, but the coach's film is what we love. You can see the high end zone and the sideline view, all 22 Get a chance to study the game like the coaches and scouts do. Uh, get your free trial today. All you got to do is go to NFL.com slash Game Pass. They got to do it, Buck. I mean, if you love football, this is the way to experience it. I mean, that's the best way to do it. That's the only thing that I know. You got to go look at all 22. Get it all. You have to make sure that you pick up that Game Pass. It's the best thing. We pump it up. We talk about it all the time. You and I have talked about it on the phone, what we saw on Game Pass. So you make sure you pick it up. Sign up. It's the best thing that we have going. Well, take, you go. it to, take it to scout school. Watch a little Move the Sticks. Listen to Move the Sticks and get Game Pass. You'll be ready for the season. What else do you need to do? Well, you're done. You're it's, done. it's funny that you brought up scout school because – Oh, I, I left it in the car. I found some old scouting worksheets oh. that I'm going to share with the people. Like, I don't use it anymore. I'm more of a freehand scouter. But, like, some old things that guys that are just getting into scouting 
they can kind of copy and help them out make a little up bit. Their own. Yeah, help out. They can yeah. I'll tell you what's cool, and we'll get to the NFC East and the NFC West here in just a second. But one of the things that pumps me up is you do these training camp tours and go around and see different teams. And early in training camp, all the scouts are there, um, and even visiting them some, some college and running into some scouts. But I, I've had it, man. It happened twice this year. It's starting to happen more and more every year as the years go by. But I had two guys that came up to me, introduced themselves to me, said, hey, um, I'm a personnel assistant or I'm a, I'm a young scout with this team. And mm-hmm. I learned a lot on the scouting background by listening to you and Bucky on hey, the Move the Sticks cool. podcast. So I think that's pretty cool. If you're out there listening and you want to you know, you pursue a career in scouting, hopefully we can give you some stuff that can kind of guide you in that way and can help you along the path. But it's pretty cool to see people – that have been listening to this, maybe just pick up one thing here, one thing there that's helped them along their journey, and, and pretty cool to see where these guys have ended up. Yeah, because, I mean, obviously we both had mentors in the business. I had some great mentors that kind of showed me the way uh, to be able to take it and put it together and put my insights and opinions in a report. So I don't mind sharing. In fact, I'm going to try and put those things up either Instagram, Twitter. I'm going to try and post those worksheets, and then we can talk about it the next time we have podcasts. All right, before we get to NFC East, uh, did this today. Got to make sure Sully will remind me because he gets to star in this yes. feature. We're calling it uh, Bucky. We're calling it Sully setup. Sully setup. Sully setup. I, I'm giving Sully a little FaceTime here because it's it. behind the glass. I want the, the listeners to be able to know what Sully looks like, what he yeah. brings to the table. So we've got Sully setup, which I'm going to throw out on social media, and he's going to kind of just preview the episodes. So we have a couple episodes uh, now. We're shoot. We're in season mode now. We're two. Yeah, we're two, two a week. Oh. Three. 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 Sunday nighters. Yes. Sunday nighters Three. are coming. That's going to be a game changer. Yeah, yeah that's going to be a lot awesome. of fun. That's Ten gonna... takeaways on Sundays. I think that's going to be, like you said uh, last week, nice little present for people to wake up on Monday morning. Yeah, it's going to yeah. be fun. So, anyways, we've got Sully's setup that uh, you can get a little preview of what we're going to be talking about. All right, NFC East Buck, this is the division. Uh, this is the ratings division because uh, it gets the best TV ratings at everything we talk about on the network. Um, they want to push NFC East because you got a lot of loyal, passionate fans there. And it is a pretty interesting division this year. Cowboys, Eagles, Redskins, Giants. Let me just give you how I have it right now. I mm-hmm. think. What you got? Come on. I, I ended up going with the come Giants. On. I've got the Giants followed. Mm, come on. This is the tough one. Come on. I'm going to go Giants. Cowboys, Eagles, Redskins. Oh, what? I thought you were on the Wentz wagon. No, I am on the Wentz wagon. I, I thought, think, I thought I think, the Wentz wagon you were let ready. Let me give you some records here. Sully, mark this tape in case one in a million chance that it's right. So we Mark it down. Mark it down. I'm going to go Giants 11-5. and five. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go Cowboys 9-7. and seven. Ooh. I'm going to go Eagles 9-7. and seven. Mm. But I'm going to somehow they end up ahead of the, the Cowboys and ahead of them in the tiebreaker. I don't know. And then I'll go Redskins 7-9. and nine. Ooh. That's what I'm looking at this year. To me, the, the the Giants have a chance to be balanced. I think you look at them throwing the football offensively. I think they're going to throw it so well, it's going to open up some things for Paul Perkins. I am not sold on the offensive line. Don't get me wrong. But I think Eli can cover up a lot of that stuff. And then defensively, if they can get a lead, they can rush the quarterback, and I think they have a really, really solid secondary. I, when you look around this division, the secondary in Philadelphia is a little bit of a question mark. Um, the, the Redskins worry me uh, – multiple levels on the defensive side of the ball and the Cowboys secondary with a bunch of new pieces worries me so that's why I ended up going with the Giants you know when the Giants picked up Brandon Marshall to go with Odell Beckham Jr. and Sterling Shepard and then they picked up Evan Ingram 
I went on record and I said, print the shirts. Yeah. Print the shirts. They're going to win the division title. They're going to be a team that goes deep in the playoffs. I could potentially see them as a Super Bowl team. And the reason why I'm really all in on the New York Giants, offensively, in the passing game, they can give you problems. They can match it up. They like to throw the ball quick. Eli Manning has done a really good job under Ben McAdoo getting the ball out of his hands and allowing his playmakers to do work. I am worried about the offensive line. It's not necessarily what I've wanted to see in the preseason, but I think they will eventually get it fixed. They have to find an ability just to run the ball. I'm not saying that they have to have 100 yards per game rushing, but if they can get to 90, just enough balance where you can't just load up on a passing game, they're good. But the reason why I'm really excited, when I watch this team in the preseason, their defense – their defense is absolutely legit. Landon Collins has continued to take his Man, game up good, a notch. Their secondary with Janoris Jenkins, Eli Apple, uh, DRC, they're playing well. And up front, Jason Pierre-Paul is beginning to look like that guy that we saw prior to the fireworks injury. When you have him and Olivier Vernon, they are beginning to dominate. And I just like this team. I like the way they're built. The rest of the division – Look, the Cowboys are going to be fine. Dak Prescott, to me, continues to be very, very impressive. When you lose Zeke Elliott potentially for six games, it affects how they play. And I know we can say we can plug any running back in there. just changes the way the defense was doing. And I don't know if their defense is good enough to win these uh, toe-to-toe affairs in the fourth quarter. The Eagles, the more that I've watched, the more that I like what they're doing defensively. Ronald Darby has come in and given them uh, a boost in the secondary. I like how Carson Wentz is progressing. I just don't know if this year, year two of the Carson Wentz era, is the year that they can make that big move. I think they win a lot of games. They can be there. I just think the Giants are better than those other guys. And for Washington, I think we're going to look back and realize that the losses on the outside, Pierre Garçon and Deshaun Jackson, are really going to affect the way that Kirk Cousins plays. He had a lot of toys. He had a lot of weapons. He made it easy. They made it easy for him. He did a great job of getting it to him. Without those guys on the outside separating, I think it's going to be tougher for him to do what he's done the last couple of years. I think this Washington team, you're going to see them struggle early offensively, and I think you'll see them get better as the season goes along. They're going to have to play a little differently with Pryor out there. Yes. It's a different, it's a different group. If Doxon can get out there and help him out a little bit. Bigger, bigger, going to be more physical. Um, more contested throws. Yes, that, yes. That's the thing. Not, not going to have the same windows that he's had. Yes. And Pierre Garçon is just so crafty. And, and But I, I do like Crowder. I think Crowder has a good year for this football team. I think it will get better as the season goes along, but I, I don't like him in this division. All right, last one. we got to get rolling here. We're running a little long. NFC West, Buck, who do you like and why? Uh, Seattle, Arizona. Mm, I want to put the Rams – you don't. You're gonna buy in on the Niners because they look good in the preseason no, game the other night. I got the Rams. Tonight. Ruben Foster is smacking people. Ooh, he was running around He's looking like that man again. Um, I like to look for. We're talking about the 49ers first. Their defense, I think, is eventually going to be the kind of defense that we saw them have when they made that run for about a four or five year stretch. They're one of the best teams in the league. Ruben Foster, those three first round picks on the D line, they're gonna get better. Need to add some pieces offensively. I like what they're doing with Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde looks fitter. He's running out the backfield, making plays, catching the ball. I think they still have to shore up the quarterback position. I know that Brian Horry played well in preseason week three. That is nice. Kyle Shanahan can do some things, but it's only so long they can do the shield. I think they finish in fourth. I love what the Rams are doing. I think the Rams have basically – Sean McVay has recreated the Washington Redskins offense. We have Sammy Watkins playing the role of Deshaun Jackson. You have Cooper Cup playing the role of Jamison Crowder. You have uh, Robert Woods playing like Pierre Garçon. And then you have the tight ends doing the Jordan Reed thing. We're going to see a much better Jerry Goff. You obviously see it all the time. But they won't be able to make 
up ground in this division until they get Aaron Donald. They have to have yep. him in the fold. And then the Cardinals of the Cardinals, they can do the same thing. And Seattle is the class of the division. Yeah, I uh, I think Seattle is the class of the division. Uh, I think the Cardinals are clearly the number two team. I think the battle there becomes for the third spot between the Niners and the Rams. I do like the Rams to be ahead of the Niners this year. Um, I, the Rams are going to be good offensively. They're going to be better, I should say, offensively. Offensive line outside of Whitworth, there's still some holes there that, that need to become a little bit more consistent. I think Todd Gurley has a bounce back here. Not just running the football. I think you'll see him. I don't think that they've shown it all, but I think you're going to see him get really involved in the passing game this year. Get creative, get him the ball in space, and let him go. Going to be a better offensive football team. Uh, defensively, Aaron Donald's got to be back in there for this team. He's the guy you have to circle when you're game planning against them. Uh, he can make things happen. So hopefully that gets all worked out. He shows up. And San Francisco's got a good young front seven. They're fun to watch. Uh, they can build their team around this group, this young group they have in the front seven. Still, though, I think, you know, I know you have a quarterback familiarity with the play caller, but I still think that's not that's not going to produce in a big way when you look at them offensively. I think that's gonna they're going to struggle a little bit there. Uh, but long term, got a good group, a nucleus on the defense there in the front seven. Go offense heavy in these next couple drafts, and they'll get that thing rolling there with the, with John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. But that's going to do it on the NFC West, Buck. That's going to do it on the NFC. Uh, man, jam-packed today. Nice to have a guest here. Coach Lee did a nice job. Got some good stories out of him. Nice little deep dive on the NFC South. And I feel like we just took a big blanket and just threw it over the NFC today. Absolutely. We're covered. Uh, anyways, college football this weekend. Uh, NFL, we are we are almost done with preseason games. And uh, by the time you're listening to this, we might be done with preseason games. So regular season is upon us. A lot of fun, a lot of big things coming your way on Move the Six. Again, we say it every week. Please subscribe. Don't just download. Subscribe to the podcast. It'll show up automatically for you like a nice little surprise party every single time you open up, uh, open up your podcast on your phone on your computer however you want to do it but uh, we've got you covered here on move the sticks appreciate you listening and uh we'll see you next time thanks for downloading move the sticks with daniel jeremiah and bucky brooks for more go to nfl.com slash podcasts You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.